Leslie Rasmussen was born and raised in Los Angeles, California. She graduated with a bachelor's from UCLA in communications and went on to become a member of the Writers Guild of the West and write television comedies and is a member of the Writers Guild of America West. She wrote for Gerald McRaney, Burt Reynolds, Rosie and Barr, Norm MacDonald, Drew Carey, and Ralph Macchio, as well as The Wild Thornberries and Sweet Valley High. Leslie has written personal essays for Huffington Post, MariaShriver.com, and SheKnows.com. Leslie loves dogs, and besides having two adorable Labradors, she is a member of the Alliance of Therapy Dogs and has volunteered at the Burbank Animal Shelter. Leslie lives in Los Angeles has two sons and a husband she's been with since college. After Happily Ever After is her debut novel. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you for having me. Before writing women's fiction, you had a life in television. What was that like? Oh, I loved it. It was so much fun. I had always just loved sitcoms growing up. I loved Barry Tyler Moore and Bob Newhart and all those shows. And so when I got to write my first sitcom, it was the most exciting thing to go and see, you know, an audience and sit in the audience and listen to them and hear them laugh. And I loved doing it. And I loved to come camaraderie of being in a room because as we both know, writing is a very lonely thing. And in television, it is not. I mean, obviously with the pandemic, it's a little different, but normally you're in a big room filled with people and you bounce ideas off them. It's just a blast. And everybody's laughing a lot. No matter, even if you're stressed out, you're laughing. Probably would have done it a lot longer, but the hours were terrible. Dramas are better for writers and harder for actors and sitcoms are easy for actors or easier. And way harder for writers. And I was married and we were passing in the night and then I got pregnant. So I did do it until my second child was about a year and a half old, but I was really doing freelance at that point. And then at that point I was like, I just I can't keep doing these hours. I wanted to raise my kids. So. Understandable. So what was that like though, sitting at a table with, I don't know how many, how many people were writing on one episode? Well, in when I did it, it could be up to 10, 11, 12, 13. The staffs are much smaller nowadays, but it was much bigger. Now. So how do you collaborate on, because you're looking at 30 minutes of content, it seems like you would be stepping all over each other. Well, the way it worked back then is you pretty much as a group, you would pitch out a story a lot of times and it, you didn't really step on everybody. Usually the executive producer would sort of lead the way the story was going to go and everybody would kind of jump in at times and you'd be surprised it worked better than you would think. But with the jokes, sometimes you would miss jokes, but somebody would be laughing at the end of the table and everybody would stop and say, what What did they say? What did they say? Because you can't always hear everything. But it was still like, you kind of got what you had to say in. And usually people who were lower down were quieter and the people who were higher up were louder. But you kind of knew who were the joke people, who were the better people at the story arcs. And those people would speak up when it was their time. And then once you pitched out the story, then you would go off and you would write the script and then you'd bring it back. And it depends on the show. Some shows the executive producer would take a quick run through it and make sure everything worked and then bring it into the room and everybody would read it. And some people would say, I don't get this joke or let's push this word or let's change this line or whatever. And then it would kind of go into the second draft. So how did that segue to writing novels? Oh, it was a long time. It's pretty funny. I stopped writing for a while and I had my kids and then I started to think I really wanted to get back in the business, but I knew that I could not because first of all, the business changed. The writer 
Writers Guild changed a lot of rules. It used to be where they had to give away freelance scripts and they kind of changed all that where they didn't have to do it anymore. So of course the shows didn't all do it. So it was really hard to get back in. I've always been interested in nutrition. So I went back and got a master's degree and I became a nutritionist and I opened up my own business. For a while, I worked with a couple of celebrity nutritionists just sort of learning the ropes. And then I went out on my own and for 10 years, I owned my own business. And while I was doing that, I started writing essays. So I started writing personal essays about my kids, my family. And I also wrote nutrition essays about eating healthier. So I was writing a whole bunch of different kinds of essays. And they were going into the Huffington Post, which I loved because at least I could see my words in print, which was really nice. And then during all that time, while I was doing nutrition, I was getting more and more interested in going back into the writing. So I started going to writing conferences and I joined a writer's group and had a coach and was doing all that. And I slowly realized I just wanted to close my nutrition. The recession hit and people don't want to go on a diet and spend money during a recession. So it's like during the pandemic, nobody wants to do that. They close, we're reopening a donut shop. (laughs) That's what I should have done. I should have opened a donut shop. I probably would have done better at the time. So I closed the business and I decided I was going to write a book. And I actually started out thinking I was going to write a nonfiction book because I had so many mom friends and so many women were trying to get back into businesses that they loved and everything else. For a while, I did a lot of surveys of people and I put together, I actually started to write a nonfiction book. But then I realized, you know what? I'm a fiction writer. I love witty banter. I love comedy. So I thought, oh, you know what? This is more fun to take all of these people's experiences and put them into a fiction book. And I would think you'd picked up a lot of material over the years, just in watching people and interacting with people, both from your nutrition career and also from, you know, writing the sitcoms. What a exactly. fun way to launch. And a lot of that is in this book. You know, she's dealing with getting older. She's dealing with wanting to go back to the gym and tighten up. She's dealing with, you know, redefining her life after giving up her big career for 17 years and her daughter's getting ready to go off to college. And there's a lot of women that were going through that. And I knew a lot of women that were going through that. And then on the other side of that, like I dealt with in the book was also aging parents because I have two aging parents. My father passed away about four and a half years ago, but he had a lot of medical issues and my mother was his caregiver. And so I had that world too. The issues are different in the book, but still that the father had, but still I knew what that was like to be in the middle and dealing with your own life, dealing with your daughter, dealing with, although I have two sons, but (laughs) same thing and dealing with parents. And I thought it needed to be really relatable, which is why I wrote it. Tell us a little bit about After Happily Ever After. Uh, The main character is Maggie. She's about 45 years old. I think she's nurtured everybody her whole life, you know, ever since she gave up her job, like I said, and she really wants to redefine herself now. And so that's where she kind of starts with this journey to figure out what her next chapter in life is going to be. But in the midst of all this, a lot of things are happening in her life. So her husband is disconnected and there's he's going through something, but he isn't really communicating what it's about. So it's kind of causing a little bit of issues in their marriage. She has this daughter who has become very independent, who she had a very close relationship with. But at 17, the daughter's starting to pull away. And then she has these two parents, a mother who's very judgmental, a brother who resents her, and she has no clue why I'm. And she has this father who's been her rock her whole life. And he starts to go through these major medical things. And she doesn't know if he's going to be there forever. And she gets completely overwhelmed in all of this. So she starts making some decisions that are not good for her and not good for her marriage or her life. And so she may end up 
up blowing it up. But it's how she kind of figures out who she is and what she wants. Sounds very relatable. You know, you take these people, they have to make some bad decisions in order to find out what the right ones are. Exactly. I see you have dogs and you also volunteer for a shelter. With that passion for dogs, do we see those in your book? I always put dogs in my book, (laughs) but it's never about dogs. But I always have dogs in all my books. And I just, I am a nut over dogs. I really am. And I'm not working at the shelter right now because of the pandemic. But before the pandemic, while I was writing, you know, you get so involved in writing, sometimes you need that release. And I would go to the shelter and I would go in with these dogs and I would just sit there and it made me happy and I could tell it made them happy. The hardest part was I would go visit. Some of them were there. We were, we really didn't end their lives. So some of them were there for years. And there was one dog that I was very attached to and loved her and nobody took her. And she had been there for like two years. And one day I came in and she was gone. And I used to always just sit in her little kennel with her and play with her. And she was a pit bull. And she would just kiss me all over. And I walked in and I said, what happened to her? Like, did something happen? And they said she got adopted. Yeah. And I'm so happy. But at the same time, I was so sad. <laughs> because for me, it was like, oh my God, selfishly, she just made me feel good every time I went in there. And I have two labs. I've had a third lab who passed away. But I trained one of my labs to be a therapy dog. I've taken her to UCLA when kids had finals. She loves like teenagers more than anything. <laughs> or that age, young adult, I should say. And we went to a high school and she just, she loves it. And it was really fun. So that's also slowed down because of the pandemic too. So in Entertainment Weekly, Laura Day recommended your book for anyone who finds themselves at a crossroads in her life. After Happily Ever After is a smart, exciting debut about love, family, and reinvention. What was that like having Laura Dave recommend your book? That's awesome. I was so excited. I mean, Laura wrote a great blurb for me for the front of my book. She was so lovely, such a nice person. And she read the book a long time ago before it was even looked like a book. And she wrote a blurb and I was just so thrilled. And then when she recommended it on EW online, I was like, oh my God, that's so great. Oh, especially in the middle of her launching. Yes, her new book. Uh, Yeah. Oh, congratulations. That was an awesome. I was very happy about that. What scenes are the most fun for you to write? Like I said, I love witty banter. So I liked all the scenes with Maggie and her husband when they were like getting along and doing well. That was really fun. I loved writing the scenes with Maggie and her best friend because I really could feel those. And honestly, I I also really enjoyed writing the scenes between Maggie and her father. My book is not autobiographical in any way, shape or form. But the father in the book, just the way he is, is a lot like my father. That's the only character that was kind of based on my father. And the way Maggie relates to him was based on my father. And so even though my father was actually not alive when I finished the first draft, which just was so hard because he was a huge supporter, I did dedicate the book to him. But I just love writing those scenes because it brought that memory for me of my father. Special. Yeah, it was, that part was very special. What surprised you the most about the writing life? Honestly, not as much about the writing life as it was about the marketing life. <laughs> that is what surprised me. I didn't know how much work. It's way easier to write a book than to actually go out and market it. You're unknown and you're, you know, new debut author. It's so difficult. And that I think is the thing that surprised me the most. The actual writing of it, once I kind of finally figured out, which took me a while, I have to say, because writing a sitcom script is, you know, 36 pages. You have all these people helping you as far as a story because it's not your own show. Writing a book was creating completely, which I did love because I had control 
over what everybody said and what they looked like, but it still was, you know, not easy. Let's put it that way to know. Oh, to from working as a team to being all on your own. Everything is on me. I did give my book as I went along. I was giving it to my husband to edit. He's a writer. And so he was kind of editing it, but he wasn't giving me major notes. He was just sort of editing grammar and just like that kind of thing. And then I was in a group that a woman would say, we would read our chapters and she would give me general notes. But it really is just you. I mean, really. And because you get the choice, I'm not going to take that note or I am going to take that note. Whatever comes out is on you when it finally comes out. And that's good and it's bad. <laughs> if it's good, it's great. Yeah. If it's not good, you know, then you have a problem. But thank goodness the reviews have been really good on the book. So I'm yeah. happy about that because I had no idea. It's such a vulnerable thing to put your book out there. And you think about it forever, but the day it's published and then there's actually people sending you pictures, holding your book and reading your book and then saying to you that they liked it or strangers liking your book that you don't know that have no reason to say, hey, this was great. It's just so rewarding. I mean, my favorite thing is when somebody says to me, I was Maggie or I am Maggie or, or I relate to these characters. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for writing this. And that made me happy. You had readers see themselves in your book. That's always my hope is that they'll see just a piece of themselves and feel understood. And yes. I think from what you're telling me about your book, it sounds like that's that hit a lot of women in that situation that they felt. That's exactly what I wanted. And you know, surprisingly, I was shocked that some of my reviews have been from men and they have said they love the book, which was really interesting. A few of them knew me, but a few of them did not know me. And it's not really written in the sense where I thought it was going to go to men. So when men read it, a friend of mine had her husband read it and he loved it. And he wrote me a really nice review. And it just made me feel so good because it's like, oh, and he related to the husband and he related to, you know, what was going on with the father. And it was, it was great. I like that people say, you know what, you made me feel less alone. Like I didn't feel like I was alone in all this. I felt like somebody knew what I'd gone through or going through. And that's what makes Tell me a little bit about your writing day. So pretty much whatever time I wake up, which is usually anywhere between seven and eight, I get up and I work out. It's the first thing I usually do in the morning. Either I go to class, there's no pandemic, or I go outside and I work out and that kind of gets my brain going. Then I shower and then I sit down at the computer. And there are days that I'm like mostly doing marketing. And then there are days that I'm writing because I'm working on a second book. But I try really hard to really work on that because it is going much faster because now I know what I'm doing. But it's still, you know, finding the time to do everything between the emails and everything else. But I pretty much work a lot of the day. I mean, you know, I'm at home, so I take the time out to do the laundry or whatever else needs to get done. But in general, I try to be at the computer a lot. So you said that this one's a little easier because you know what you're doing. Have you found that it's harder in any way? No, actually, no, I haven't. This one, I was smart and I started with an outline, which I did not do on the other one. I didn't start an outline until I was halfway through, which was not a good thing. I had no idea even what my second book was going to be. And it took me a while to just sort of live with not knowing. And then an idea came to me. So I feel like this one is moving easily enough. I also now am working directly with professional editor on the book as I go. So each chapter goes to her and then we have a phone call and she gives me notes and then I rewrite it and then send it back. And that's making it easier too, because, you know, she's a professional editor and she's telling me what works and what doesn't work, which also makes me crazy because then I look back at my first book and go, oh my God, I wouldn't have done it that way, <laughs> but I'm not going to rewrite it. So, you know, it is what it is. But you learn what mistakes you made in the first one because you were so new. That's making it a lot easier. And, you know, I'm pretty disciplined. 
So I'm not like some people who put out a book a year. I think you do that. <laughs> I am i don't know that I'll be that person. You know, it took me five years to put out one book. The second one was a nine month. Yeah, book. I think like me, because I, I took four and a half years on the first one. And the second one I've been doing under a year and I'm getting close. So. But my second one was a minor character in my first and it had Ooh. a lot of same characters that were in my first. So this third one, is it's a lot harder. The third one is completely different. Completely different. So, ah, yeah. got it. So that's not fair to say, oh, well, I was able to do the second one. Nine months. What authors resonate with you? Who do you read? I love Kristen Hanna. Mm-hmm. I read her. I read Jody Paul. I read Jojo Moyes. I also really, really like Harlan Coben a lot. Um, I like Diane Chamberlain. I like kind of go between sort of psychological, realistic, thriller, mystery kind of thing and women's fiction. What are you reading right now? Right this minute, I'm actually reading our same publisher. She writes press. I'm reading some of the people that have done those. So I am reading a woman's book that's called, oh, now I'm going to blanket or I don't want to say the name wrong, so I'm not going to say it. But I've just been reading a lot of memoirs from some of the people, a memoir called Sandwich by Lori James, because we're doing an event together very soon. It's funny, her book is nonfiction memoir, but it mirrors my fiction book. A lot of what happens in my book between the sandwich, hers is about the sandwich generation. So hers is about raising daughters. My book was about raising a daughter. Her book is about aging parents. Parents. My book was, her book was about ha- what happened in her marriage. So we're going to do an event together that to talk about both the real life and the fiction version of it. So I'm trying to read a lot of different people's books right now. Great yeah. book club discussion. I, I, yeah, I know. But I just finished Four Wins. That's the book I just finished. Four Wins. That's on my list. I'm in Laura Littman's Dream Girl right now. Oh, that's good. It's good. So many books I want to read. I can't even tell you. I have a full list. <laughs> like more time. I need more time. I don't have it yet. What is the best writing advice you've received? I think the best writing advice I've received, which is not quite about writing, but it's um, comparison is the thief of joy. I love that quote because as a writer, I'm sure we all do it, but you know, you compare yourself in so many ways, whether somebody's on the bestseller list, whether somebody has 500,000, you know, reviews, whatever it is, you know, somebody gets some media exposure that you didn't get. And I realized that when you do that, it really does take away the joy of the actual writing of it because you think, oh, this book's not going to go anywhere or this book's not going to do as well. So for me, I would say try to just be happy with what you're doing, whatever it is, whatever genre it is, enjoy the actual writing of it and try really hard not to compare yourself to whoever else wrote that genre or whoever else, whatever anybody else do. Well, thank you for spending time with us. Thank you for having me. After Happily Ever After is out now with She Writes Press. To learn more about Leslie, visit leslierasmussen.com.